It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, welcome to the latest e-commerce master plan podcast episode. I'm Chloe and it's very cool to have so many of you now out there listening. In today's episode, we're looking at big business e-commerce. Nine-figure turnover business is what we've got on the show today. And we're going to be diving into how they go about running the business and approaching the various challenges and structuring it all. Even if you haven't even started your e-commerce business yet, there's a lot you can learn and implement from my chat with Nick. And there's going to be kind of lots of aspirational elements to it as well. So I hope you enjoy. Before we dive into that, please do check out our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler than with SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. With SendPro Online, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99. That's $4.99 a month. Try it free for 30 days and get a free £10 scale when you visit pb.com forward slash masterplan. That's pb.com slash masterplan. FreeUp makes hiring online simpler for e-commerce businesses. They pre-vet thousands of virtual assistants and freelancers every week and then give you immediate access to the top 1% of applicants. Check out why 10,000 plus businesses have already signed up for FreeUp. Receive a $50 credit when you sign up today at freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan. And there's three E's in FreeUp. So it's freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan. I'm now to introduce today's special guest. Nick Stragnell is the head of online trade and experience at UK fashion business Bowden. He owns the digital customer journey and is responsible for online annual sales revenue of 670 million plus pounds globally. Hello, Nick. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing? Very well today. Thank you. Excellent. Now, I've just given our listeners a ridiculously short intro about you. But before we get deep into the world of Bowdoin, how did you yourself get into this this e-commerce game? Well, I started out with creative agencies, mostly, um, I guess, who needed to give their clients something online. Um, So I worked for a while with evolving technologies, building websites from designs, etc. Moved into things like video streaming for those same sort of agencies, um, but eventually made my way into into digital marketing and acquisition and eventually e-commerce. I guess I found a sort of a need to be nearer to the numbers, um, understand the impact of of my actions, that kind of thing. And and in e-commerce, there's no better place for it. They get a bit addictive, don't they, the numbers in e-commerce? Once you've kind of tasted that trackability and that data, it's quite hard to do something else, I find. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the impact piece is, is really incredibly important. It's, um, it's nice to be within a, a business and a brand where um, you are ultimately engaging with a, a human being at the other end. So the psychology absolutely plays into it. Um, and the message and the tone of voice is incredibly important. That's how we differentiate ourselves. But just to be measurable, uh, you know, which which we can do in the digital space, um, and 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 really, you know, a customer will tell you one thing in a survey, but actually, what what do they do? Uh, which is what the data tells us, which is is just so important. Oh, so true. I'm sure everyone in the UK who's listening certainly knows who Bowdoin are, but possibly our overseas listeners are less familiar with the brand. So, uh, where in the world is Bowdoin, and where are you selling? 
We're based in beautiful North Acton, West London. Uh, actually, we've got some really amazing office uh, space um, here in the UK. Our logistics hub is um, is up in Leicester. Um, we've got a team in Boston over in the States who look after our activities over there. And the UK and the US are definitely our um, largest markets and, um, and, and fastest growing. Um, and about the same size now, actually. The, um, the US has, has caught up with the UK and it's it's a huge opportunity for us to, to make make, um, you know, to grow more out there. Germany's also getting bigger and growing at an incredible rate. Um, we seem to be doing something very right for that market. Um, definitely Bode and the brand and what we're doing really seems to uh, seems to be taking hold, has some really good traction. There's a handful of other dedicated sites um, out there in the world, but but taking up a much smaller share of, uh, of what we do. There's a very good style or a very brand identity, I suppose, to the product, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a very British women's fashion brand, I suppose, uh, primarily. Um, that's um, certainly um, the women's uh, department makes up uh, the bulk of, of what we do. We're really well known for our colour, our print and sort of pattern design on our products. It's it's really um, joyful, happy kind of um, uh, clothing. And that translates across children's wear as well. Um, obviously, we have we have men's wear and we have um, a range of, um, of baby products, but it's really the the thinking and the, and the tone of voice behind our women's wear that really drives the business. And that Britishness really plays out in the other markets as well. It's not something, you know, we're not a brand who's had to rethink our approach when we go in to into markets overseas you know it's something we're really proud of the heritage the design the quality of the product that is is really playing well into the new markets uh, like you say I, I think our awareness is incredibly high within our within our target market within the uk so it's a question of doing that job elsewhere and it seems to be working we're, we're getting good traction and which channels are you selling by because i know that there's the kind of the web and the mail order part do you have the there are many Bowdoin physical stores globally Actually, just a just a handful. Um, so we have three of our own stores uh, in London. A, a lovely new one, um, which is very much a kind of a flagship showcase store on the King's Road, and also we have concessions in John Lewis in the UK and in North America. It's in um, it's Nordstrom's. So um, those are much more of an unbranded uh, experience, but the product is there, so it's a it's a great opportunity to get um, you know a physical product in hand, I suppose. Um, the web is roughly 97% of our sales. It's interesting being a being a catalog business first. I think it was quite easy for Bowden to make the initial transition into uh, into selling online into e-commerce um, without the legacy of you know the, the bricks and mortar stores to um, to deal with. But what's um, what I think is interesting then is is that it's the next step. It's when you're trying to sort of turn that around and become digital first so it's it's very um yeah it's a very interesting place for us to be where we're a, we're a business that is not reliant on bricks and mortar for our everyday sales revenue but it is a really really important part of the mix when it comes to the experience of the brand um which we just can't do as a catalog business or a, or a pure play e-commerce business there is something about that physical experience that I think is essential in many retail businesses, depending on kind of where you put your brand or how important that is. But I think you can do it so much better with a handful of interaction points than with a hundred odd stores scattered across the country. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity. It's um, it's almost a shame that we don't have the opportunity to put our own staff into into the department stores. Uh, you know, where we have that kind of concession space. It's um, you know, it's something we'd love to do more of, um, but it's not where our investment is. Um, you know, on the whole, I think I think there are opportunities. There are kind of event based opportunities that um, are always worth exploring, um, but the catalogue and the sites, yeah, absolutely, that's our our real real estate if you like and the stores play a really really important that as i say it's an experience piece um that's kind of important and also it's something for us as a brand to actually experiment with you know it's it's that opportunity to get face to face and get that immediate first hand uh, feedback from your customers and you talked about the web platform there which platform are you selling on i'm guessing it's not woocommerce <laughs> no, and and in fact, it's um, it, it's one of those uh, sort of um, big change pieces for uh, for Bowden at the moment. Bowden have traditionally built pretty much everything in house, so um, we have for the sort of fourteen fifteen years that Bowden have been online. Um, yeah, it's all been stuff that's been built by the teams here, which has allowed Bowden to scale, um, arguably as we have. But in the last um, sort of year and a half, this is the first time Bowden have really kind of um, explored the opportunity and have, have embarked on uh, a third-party platform. So we're, we're in the process of, and most of the way through, a migration to Adobe um, Experience Manager, AEM, which is at the core of our, of our CMS. One of the interesting choices, I suppose, that I didn't uh, fully appreciate when I, when I first sort of joined the process, but now I understand that it's something that's given us the ability to maintain control of. So we still have that, um, still have that control of it within the teams. But it's also giving us something that we can, again, scale and grow and, and take the econ part of the business to the next level as well. So it gives you kind of the best of both worlds, leveraging a big company's focus on developing that single piece of tech, plus your own team have got their, their ability to tweak and change at will. Absolutely. And it, it needs to plug into um, everything else that we've got. You know, it's um, we, we built a technology stack within the business to, first of all, support the catalogue, you know, and, and our products. It then takes it to the next stage and actually, you know, plugging in something that we can use as a more kind of up to speed and efficient CMS, um, if you like, gives us some um, some efficiencies. Um, it allows us to, as I've said, scale uh, as well, but also look at um, bringing in the next steps uh, that we want to do within e-commerce space, whether that be around personalization without actually having to develop and sort of build the strategy and the platforms every single time we go there. Uh, or we want to do something different and new. Um, it's kind of important that we take that leap now um, and get on board with a with a third party platform, so that we can um, we can just pull a few more levers a bit more quickly, I suppose, um, rather than having to develop and build our own uh, our own answer to it. And uh, we've mentioned the the phrase CMS there a couple of times. Do you just want to quickly explain what that is to the audience? If anyone's going CMS, what are they talking about? Uh, okay, so content management system, um, yeah, the tool that you use to to sort of build your pages. It's not the only thing, um, obviously, that we use within the site. We'll, we'll use a bunch of other tools and APIs. I mean, it, we, we need to feed product to the site. So there's uh, elements of all of the pages which will be fed from other tools and databases and things like that. But um, fundamentally, yeah, deciding what goes where um, and how we put our pages in our site and our customer journeys together, it's all done in the CMS. 
And would it be fair to say, here we go, buzzword bingo coming up, guys, um, that, that this would be a headless e-commerce installation once it's up and running? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. As far as my understanding of headless goes, yeah, absolutely. It's um, and and that's as I say, that's that's a kind of a it's a comfort zone for Bowden um, because we have so many other pieces that we need to we need to plug in. It's not a one size fits all uh, platform or or a self contained platform by any means. It has allowed us to use other elements of technology and it allows us the, the future scope to um, to building out and around other pieces of technology that we have in our in our stack be that our um, customer data platforms or any insights and intelligence we want to bring in uh, any bits of personalization as I, as I mentioned it gives us that scope to um, to adopt what we think is is best for us and best for our customers uh, when we get to those phases excellent and are there any kind of key pieces that you've bought into either the current platform stack or the future one i'm thinking kind of like merchandising reviews those kind of kind of services that are just essential to the way you're you're running the business reviews is interesting it's really important we've we've brought with us um what we were doing uh with reviews uh before so power reviews is is working for us there um and a, and a nice opportunity with the migration to kind of revisit that but i suppose the one key piece of technology, um, and this was sort of a hard piece of, um, you know, to find the right fit, um, is around is the search and merch tool. So we're using um, Bloomreach, which effectively takes our catalog product feed, if you like, and and populates our, our um, catalog and category pages uh, within the site. Bloomreach is is really interesting in that space. It's um, it's made things a lot easier for our merchandisers to work on you know product sort orders and uh, and gives them a lot of uh, manual control but it also adds that element of um, machine learning and, and ai so what that tool can learn from our customers and how they interact with products what they're buying what's what's working what isn't really helps to augment what the the merchandising and trade team uh, can do on the site as well, and and again, it adds us, it adds that ability to do things at scale, uh, which you couldn't. You know, you'd just be recruiting more and more and more traders to analyze the data and make changes and decisions on the website. Um, that brings uh, that learned element to it, and uh, and and really kind of helps us again work at scale and work at speed as well. I always think that finding the right merchandising, merchandising type AI algorithm plug-in for a business is one of the hardest purchases you can make. It's up there with the right backend system and the right website system because it's so much about finding the one that fits with what you want to do and how you want to run it. There's something out there for everyone, but it can be a little bit like, like a needle in the haystack finding the right software for you. No doubt. And it's it's because of the in integration that you have to do, it's quite difficult to try before you buy. Uh, you know, and just going through a list of um, um, comparative features from a from a reseller or vendor like that is is really difficult. Um, it's it's a really hard thing to evaluate. It it absolutely has its own challenges too. I, I mean, I've talked about the merchandising size, um, you know, which has no doubt made it easier. Uh, the the team can be a lot more efficient, and it's also added a lot of um, machine learning, which in all the tests we've done definitely definitely pays off. Really helps us. Um, on the search side, it's really interesting because it's only as good as your product data and, and the attributes that you have around those products. And so actually it's highlighted 
for us that we need to go back and do a load more work um, around that space and um, you know and how we are building out our product data to make the search tool work really well um, because it's only as good as the um, the data that it's searching through um, to give really good results to the to the customers we all know how important search is so it's actually highlighted an area that we need to do a lot more work on but it's great because it just also means there's a lot more opportunity there so so we're really happy to put the time and the resource into it that's the thing isn't it it's like it's one thing to go oh we need to do this because we should, but nothing's ever going to use it. And you go, oh, no, the tool's <laughs> using it. <laughs> we, we really do need to do this now. It's kind of like that extra galvanizing to make the T's be crossed and the I's be dotted, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's about prioritizing. Um, you know, we want to give a really good experience every time somebody uses our site. And so, you know, if, if search exit rates are going up, then we put more focus on it. If it's stable, then we find something else that we can put some more time in. I suppose that's that's one of the challenges with with having your own teams is um, although they're they're very um, rigorous about their approach to development and, and what we might be working on, it also means that you know there's it's like not having endless budget to just pay more agencies to come in and do pieces of work for you uh, we have exactly the same thing we just don't have that endless resource we can't just stack it up and, and do multiple things at once so we got to be got to be really careful about where we where we spend our time uh, and effort and investment um, and kind of make sure that we're putting the most impactful things at the top of the list all the time it means that list is constantly changing as we discover new things that we want to go after but yeah it's um it's the right approach. It means we we get the best out of it that we can. Yes, it, it can be very difficult doing that prioritisation because it can be tempting just to focus on fixing weak points and problems. But then at the same time, there's some huge opportunities that should be tackled. So you're kind of looking at the worst and looking at the best. And then all of a sudden you realise you've completely missed the middle. <laughs> it's, and then once you've got all those ideas, trying to whittle them down, is there a, a method you've got for, I don't know, identifying them or for, for prioritising them? Or is it literally just a constant re-evaluation process? I guess it's it's looking at in... Um sprints if you like you know however however long or short they actually are you've got some teams of people within the business who need to be effectively doing the business as usual making sure that we're trading that we're reacting to trade that we're not missing opportunities you know and that's on a a sort of a daily weekly fortnightly basis if you like but then you've got um you know kind of extra layers which might require deeper skills within the business and you know there you need to have some kind of roadmap now it's okay for those priorities to shift um obviously based on resource availability but also the size of the prize it can be frustrating i suppose this is the thing if if you dedicate development team to a project that's going to take three or four months it does mean that they can't work on anything else during that time so even if you found a few quick wins that might only take a a sprint or two a week or two to deliver actually is it you've got to weigh it up is it sensible in the long term to interrupt that and are you pushing stuff out we're always we're constantly having those conversations Everyone gets it, so I think that's important, and it's it's very push and pull. But ultimately, there is a there is a process, there is a system. Um, it's all based on you know the size of the price. So uh, yeah, things get prioritised in that way. As in your your example, well, this one will only take a day. This one will only take a week. This one will only take two weeks. The three month project might never happen if you get well. It's a quick one. It's a quick one. It's not just about the speed of delivery, is it? It's about everything in there. We mentioned your teams quite a bit. I'm guessing there's a fair few of them. How is it structured at Bowden? 
so let's let's sort of see. We've got um, Bowden's in a really interesting business in that because we have the uh, legacy, the catalog side um, of the business, if you like, we've got um, a really sort of brand-led uh, piece there and um, a really massive sort of creative team uh, who, who drive all of that. And that delivers to us in the e-com world. It delivers all of our stories and, and how we're going to go about, um, you know, building collections and, and, and really communicating about the product. So that's kind of feeding to us from the one side. Um, then, of course, as I've mentioned, we have um, a lot of in-house development. And that's the, you know, the kind of the history and the way that we've run things historically here. Um, at Bowdoin. So we have scrum teams who are mostly um, in-house and working on on different parts of the site or the experience or, or the platform or the stack at any given time. That is augmented by a couple of um, third parties who help us in some very specific areas, especially with the um, the Adobe platform. As we've migrated to that, it's been really great to have some external experience and support in that area. And again, they run as independent um, uh, teams. And again, given priorities and a, you know, a, a backlog and a stack of work to uh, to approach of course your your kind of your e-com trading team really where i sit with my team we're, we're very much in the middle of that we've got content coming to us in a very waterfall manner uh, from that side of the business and the design and the brand and everything that we're going to do and product and then we've got um you know very agile scrum teams delivering um enhancements and features and experiences to the to the website um completely agile you know release by release um and, and our guys sit very much in the middle. So it's a it's an interesting balancing act. But being all in the same place uh, makes a massive difference. Um, that has a huge impact. And uh, I could see how this, we're almost this sort of central services agency right in the middle of the whole piece and, and really helps sort of glue things together. So is there anything other than those couple of scrum teams that you've got outsourced or is pretty much everything run in-house? It's pretty much all in-house. I mean, literally from um, from digital marketing all the way through, you know, our, our CRM and email teams, that's it's all in-house, um, design, copywriting, um, all in-house. There literally are a handful of agencies who help in very, very specific areas. So uh, when it comes to product descriptions and outsourcing, uh, that we, we will use um, when we have big spikes, um, you know, we use an agency for that just because it's cost efficient. And actually, um, you know, with our the cadence that we add products um, you know, on a seasonal basis, it would be almost impossible to have, you know, that depth of um, uh, of team within the business um, because they just wouldn't have stuff to do. And then they'd have a um, thousand things to do in the space of a few weeks. So, um, so we outsource that, obviously, um, to help with the flex. As I said, some very specific pieces around, um, you know, data layer and analytics, uh, making sure that we're supported in the tools that we're using. But yeah, insights team are all in-house, customer team, analysis, um, digital marketing, as I've said, uh, most of our development, our trading team and resources. And and that really speaks to where Bowdoin are as a brand as well. I think that's, um, you know, we don't just go out and buy and resell somebody else's product. It, it's all ours. It's all, you know, we, we design, We somebody literally will sit across the office and they will be hand drawing, um, you know, a pattern um, based on some inspiration or influence that they've had, which will become a product. Um, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful thing to see. 
Wow, thank you for taking us through that. Our listeners are running businesses that are a lot smaller than Bowdoin, but I think it's really useful to hear how it's done in a much larger company and how there's still so much that actually is very resonant, even to the smaller business. Taking everything that's going on there right now, what's the most awesome thing about what you're up to at Bowdoin? <laughs> um, I, I'm going to sound I'm going to sound terrible. Actually, this is um, the awesome thing for me is is spending time doing very traditional, uh, I guess, conversion rate optimization um, experiments and testing. It's it's the stuff I. I really love, but it actually, because of the um, the migration to the new platform, it's actually a great opportunity. It's the right time to be doing this. And whenever you whenever you make a big change like that, you you know to, to to work at pace, you have to make a lot of decisions as you go along. You can't necessarily test every single uh, you know iteration of of the design or, or the, the the user experience. It's kind of lovely to be going back into that, unpicking and validating a lot of the decisions that were made. Um, and it's yeah, it's good, um, old-fashioned A/B testing and, and getting good data and results out of it, and um, and evolving what I suppose we we delivered very much as a sort of an MVP, minimum viable uh, sort of version of the site on the new platform to enable us to get something up and running that we could test in and we could we could develop and learn on. So so yeah, that's kind of the exciting stuff at the moment. I know that you know the buzzwords are all about um hyper personalization and 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 this kind of area that that you know we we in e-commerce are, 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 we really should be thinking and f- focusing on at the moment. But um actually that's that's all there. Um, you know, the, the the strategy is evolving as we learn more about the tools that we've got. Um, but for me, again, that's about getting getting everything working right that you already have, getting the basics right and building up from the foundations. Um, so no doubt we've got some amazing technology that we can we can leverage and really use for that. But actually, I think that's about taking the steps gradually and not not diving headfirst into um yeah we've got to personalize to every every single individual customer and uh you know sort of use every single click and touch point that they've interacted us with as a source of data i know we can and you know could move towards that but um yeah getting things right first making sure we've got a good experience for everyone that comes to the site there's so much work to be doing uh, in that space and yeah, embarrassingly enough, I actually find that bit really, really exciting. I don't think there's anything embarrassing about that at all. And I love the fact that you've taken the approach to that new site launch that I wish many, many more e-commerce businesses would take, which is you get the minimum viable product, the basic live, and then you test and develop and improve it along the line of what actually works. I find far too many businesses trying to create the perfect e-commerce site without a single customer ever actually having set foot in it and then expecting it to work amazingly on day one and that they can go off and do something else. And it's so much more intuitive, so much more successful to take that step-by-step approach. So I I love the fact that that's the thing that's most awesome now and that that it's so clear from the way your, your voice was as you were talking about it, you're absolutely loving it. It is absolutely a real challenge. It's um, it, it's because I suppose in a way it's a challenge when a team are delivering something like that, and the because um, the stakeholders and the people who are ultimately making the decisions about what they're paying for, um, you know, and, and really giving the the big investment that go ahead, the challenge is that they've been sold, you know, kind of the end result. 
you know, they, they've been sold the dream, um, you know, what this site could be and, uh, you know, what the experience could be for a customer. And it's always, you know, real kind of cloud level stuff when it comes to actually delivering that and making all of the millions of decisions that have to be made along the way it's it's difficult to bridge the gap between the two so the stakeholder management and what's your investment giving you on the one side and then actually what your customers need but to the point yeah getting something getting customer feedback is really really important and not just uh you know the anecdotal um side of things but actually getting some data behind it seeing what the interactions are like that's I mean that that customer listening kind of piece and and um, and using tools to actually watch and review sessions and and find anomalies um, that you need to explore. Um, that's that's fascinating. You we could spend our whole time just learning the psychology side of the uh, the customer and how they interact with uh, what we're putting in front of them. You have to take that at scale as well, and you have to decide you know what's what's a good win for maybe 65% of my customers, let's get that right, let's get that live, um, and then let's look at the the remaining sort of 35% and think, right, how are we going to make this better for them? They didn't react to that development or that that piece of experience that we've put in front of them. So what are we missing? You know, what's going to get them over the line and what's going to, what's going to improve their conversion rate? Um, but yeah, it's a never-ending list. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler. With Sempro Online from Pitney Bowes, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99 a month. Send envelopes, flaps and packages right from your desk. And for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. Save time and money on mailing and shipping with SEMPRO Online. Starting at $4.99 per month, you can also qualify for special USPS rates for letters and priority mail shipping, calculate exact postage online and do it all by printing from your PC. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get you started. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Experience shipping made simple with a free trial of SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Tired of posting jobs online and running into unqualified applicants? FreeUp is your solution. FreeUp interviews thousands of e-commerce freelancers each week and only allows the top 1% into their network. From Amazon to Shopify to Facebook ads to graphic design, they've got someone perfect for the role. Sign up today at freeup.com forward slash e-commerce masterplan and get a $50 credit towards your first hire. That's freeup.com forward slash e-commerce masterplan and there's three Three E's in free up. It's time, it's time for the top tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Nick, here's the top tips. First up, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? That's really easy. Uh, and, and actually, you'd only need to take about an hour off on Friday. It's, it's a nice small book um, and it has one very, very clear message. Um, it's called Fish. Uh, it's a book I've bought and I think I've given to everyone that's um, worked on one of my teams since I read it about 12 years ago. 
It takes its name from the Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle. It's a very short story about choosing your attitude, um, and I think it's wonderful. And I enjoy revisiting it every time I give it to a uh, a new member of my team, or or I go to a new business and um, you know start working with people there. It gives them an insight into me and where I'm coming from, um, and I just think it's a really powerful message. Nice. Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do we the prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Uh, natural. Uh, every time. Um, yes, working on uh, organic search. Um, I think fundamentally, if you put your effort there and you get it right, it just makes everything else much easier. You know, if, if, you, if you're really well ranked or you're, or you're doing a good job of um, relevancy for organic search, then it, it makes your paid channels much more efficient um you know it helps your your it helps your customers you know get around and in and out of your site um so yeah for everything work on organic first get it right nice the tool top tip maybe a collaboration tool a social media plug in a phone app or just a way of working is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day i imagine there's hundreds of these at Bowden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, we, gosh, we use everything um, depending on on the team or, or what's right for them. And I think that's in a business of this size, that's actually okay. It's uh, it's a good thing to use. Um, I find myself caught in between a few. So Jira, Zoom, Slack, Yammer, Aha, Skype, um, a ton of emails every single day. Of course, um, you know, there's no getting away from that. Um, honestly, the best thing um, here at Bowden is actually being in um, an open space. And being able to get face to face with all the different teams we work with, um, you know, that's that's so important, and it's really, really encouraged. You know, no one has an office here. Um, every teams have areas and zones of the business, but fundamentally, we we flow in and out of all of those teams. So you can't be. There's no app that's better than getting face to face with someone. I like it. Okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Can I have two? Yes, you. of course you can. <laughs> okay, so I, of course I've stolen this. Hire good people and listen to them. But if you can't afford to hire in the talent because you're in that that's kind of um, growth phase, then uh, another one, of course, is fail fast and, and learn to move on. Experimentation, as I've said, I, I absolutely love it. It's the thing that makes um, a business accelerate at a much greater pace than simply following all the rules and, um, and learnings that other people have um, put out there. Oh, yet more gold. Thank you, Nick. That's brilliant. Before we say goodbye, though, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Pretty easy to find Bowden. That's B-O-D-E-N, uh, bowden.com, uh, .co.uk, .fr, .au, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you will find us and splashed all over um, social media if you don't know who we are already. Um, but if anyone wants to reach out and ask me any questions, you can find me on LinkedIn. Nice and straightforward. Thank you, Nick. Nick, it's been awesome chatting to you and finding out about how the nuts and bolts of e-commerce operate at such an awesome e-commerce business. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It is massively appreciated. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.
What an interesting insight there to the world of a really large retailer and a, a retailer who is founded on those mail order catalogue principles and has then moved in to be huge in the online space and trading across those countries as well. I really enjoyed kind of getting to grips with how kind of the philosophy runs behind the business and what they've been doing with their, their new platforming and everything else that's going on there. One thing which we should have cleared up in the interview, so apologies for not doing this, is the world of agile and scrum teams. It's kind of a philosophy used an awful lot in the um, in the world of tech, and it's a way of getting things done fast without too much faff, basically, hence agile. Uh, and scrum teams are teams that come together to deliver certain projects, and sprints are the projects that they're running on. Um, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. There is an awful lot of content out there on Agile if you want to go and find out a bit more about it. Just look at Agile Approach and you will find lots. For now, though, thank you very much for listening to the episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to get the links and the notes about the episode and everything else, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, please do share it with your e-commerce friends. However you want to do that, I don't mind, be it real world, internet world, round the open plan office. Any of those are great. It's just good to get ever more people listening because I know from your messages and from when I see you when I'm out and about just how much this podcast helps you in your businesses. For now though, have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.